0: hey this is Kevin Weatherby say the cowboy I want you to tow that stirrup throw a leg over the cannel, take a deep seat and pull your hat down tight I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God come on what you waiting on let's go
1: one of one of the most cowboy things you can do is what a lot of people did already this morning uh, I witnessed it I participated in in it this morning and and it and it's a common thing that we do but but I think sometimes it 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 becomes routine instead of what instead of what uh the the full meaning of it is and that and that's a handshake. And the handshake in, in the cowboy world has always been important because it was the the signature on a contract. A lot of the old time cowboys couldn't write. They were illiterate. Um they weren't they weren't dumb. They were, they just had never learned to read and write, and they couldn't write. So instead of writing out a contract uh, and signing it, they had a verbal contract, and then they signed it with a handshake. And <clears throat> and it's always one of those things where my dad taught me young that when you shake a man's hand, you shake it firmly, and you look him in the eye. And of course, my dad always tried to break my hand, so that that wasn't Real cool, but uh, you know, we tried to do the same thing with my son and make sure that that your handshake means something and it's not just uh, something that we do. Um, unfortunately, in this day and age, it seems like a lot of times a handshake is meaningless in in a business deal. Uh, <coughs> we, we leased some pasture at the ranch um, from a fella, and and uh, you know, we we just talked about verbally about know, how much we we're gonna pay and, and what the kind of the stipulations were gonna be and and um he's he's not he's not a cowboy, he's not a he's he's more of a city fellow that moved to the country because he wants to get out of the city. And I just told him he, he said, Well let's write up a contract and I said, I don't know, do we really need a contract? I mean it's not it's not that big of a place. This, you know, I'm gonna do what I said I'm gonna do and if you do what you said you're gonna do, we'll be fine. We'll just shake hands on it. And he said, right, that's cool. He said, I really like that. And then he showed up with a five page contract <laughs> <laughs> that I had to sign. Um which was fine, because anymore you gotta cover yourself. I I understand that, but uh um so when we're when we're thinking about uh contracts and agreements in In the Bible, the first thing that comes to mind is is uh the contract God made with all of us and and that's called the new covenant there, there was an old covenant and it was it was uh made between it it was made in moses' time and and it was a covenant based on um laws and and acts that it sacrifices things like that 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 had to be done in order for for god's people to be right with him. And it was a very detailed contract that God made with them, and 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 people had a hard time keeping that, and, and so there was a lot of trouble with with between God and His people because you know they they just weren't able to keep that contract, and and when God makes a contract, He sticks with it, and 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 He didn't like that, so God made a new contract, uh, and. You can read about it in the New Testament, so this morning we 're going to go through the New Testament page by page and we're going to we 're going to cover god 's contract with this now it, we're going to, i'm going to condense it down real quick because because even though even though it 's important he he made it a lot simpler for us and and, and and the new handshake God made with us was that jesus was was just going to take care of it all for us um, in in the old in the old covenant, <clears throat> there were laws that had to be Strictly adhered to, and, and 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 in the new covenant, that doesn't mean those laws were just thrown out. God still expects us to, to obey the commandments and and to do those things. But but our salvation is not dependent on that anymore. Um, Jesus Christ took over that, and, and Jesus became our mediator. And it says right here in in Hebrews eight verse 6 but now Jesus our high priest has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises so it's a new and improved contract and and Jesus negotiated that for us with his blood and and he he changed the new covenant so so now so now rather than ob- having to obey laws and and make sacrifices for our forgiveness of sins, Jesus did all that for us because He did obey the law His whole life. He was He was without sin. He never sinned, so He was able to sacrifice Himself so that we could successfully carry out that contract with with God. <clears throat> the new contract was it included all the people, not just the Jews and, and the chosen people that, of of Israel. It includes everyone, Gentiles, all of us. Okay, so we're all. We're all part of that contract and and instead of writing it uh, down he he wrote it on our heart okay the new covenant says the the new laws are written in our heart, and so a lot of people have hardened their heart against that um, but it's written there and the Holy Spirit is there to remind us of of the of the contract we made and it's inside of us the laws are there we know it our, they, you know, you can call it a conscience, you can call it that little voice, you can call it a whisper, but but we all know that's there, don't we? Every single one of us know that, feel that contract written on our heart with God in that in that new covenant. <clears throat> Unfortunately, a lot of times, me included, we, we don't adhere to that handshake that we had with God, and we, you know, we fall, and, and that's what, that's where sin comes in, and sin kind of is a little, is a breach of that contract, um. And so, fortunately, Jesus took care of that for us, and, and we're able to be redeemed with God despite our sin. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can just um, kind of nonchalantly forget about that handshake that we have. We have to remember that each day. And, and you know, I wonder what it would be like if we if we wrote a contract to God and had to adhere to it, <coughs> you know, how long would that contract be? I bet it wouldn't be five pages, because because we have a hard time adhering to just a few things. So, um, but I'd like for you to think about that this week. Is if if you did write a contract out with God and, and shook hands on it, which means it's binding, what would it look like? You know how, and and how long would we we be able to keep that? Because um, that's what God wants for us. He wants us to keep the promises. Uh, that well, He's going to keep His promises because He. He never lies and 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 he said it's in the it's in the good book he said this would, will be binding forever that uh, this new covenant so it's there the the contract is written the handshake is done we just need to keep up our end of the deal so hopefully this week we can all work a little bit on that and, and I pray for that for each and every one of you let's pray, Lord thank you so much for this morning and this cold weather just makes us feel alive, and we appreciate you and in the, in the moisture. Thank you for bringing us together to listen to your word, and, and uh, thank you so much for all the the people who've stepped out in, in ministry and have taken the next step in, in trying to lead and trying to do your work and trying to keep that contract that you made with His Lord. Uh, we pray that we can have the courage and the, the strength to keep up our end of the deal and, and and affirm that handshake that you've made with us. Thank you for George and Kevin and all those that that lead in ministry. I ask that you bless them and their lives and their families and all that they do. I ask that you bless this ministry and and lead us down your path, Lord, in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. You you want you coming up or George? Okay.
0: Good morning everybody. Whew. I told a couple of people today that we're going to have to really grow this ministry and go on the road you know about October 1st go back to Texas you know about May 15th come back here maybe June 15th (laughs) not really not really uh welcome to Save the Cowboy I think most everybody here has been here before so uh I, I won't keep you too long let you get back to your hot chocolate and uh the other day I was uh I was sitting there thinking, and I thought uh, uh, about everything that, that that cowboys have to do, and then and then I, I saw a little help wanted deal for for a cowboy position, and and it made it sound really glamorous, right? So I thought, you know, they they posted all the good stuff, but but there's a lot of other stuff too. So I thought, what would it? What would an honest, authentic, help wanted job description be for a cowboy. So I wrote one. We'll be here for about 45 minutes while I read this entry level cowboy needed a great opportunity for a cowboy knowledgeable in engineering plumbing veterinary science soil conservation fence building horse training mechanicking, feedlot management self-starting roping animal husbandry,ing windmilling, wind ground maintenance handyman road grading farming gardening cement pouring tractor driving backhoe operating carpentering teaching apprenticing accounting economics advanced duct taping <laughs> banking horseshoeing rawhide braiding leather workering bartering welding nut and bolt hoarding and be able to use a Phillips head screwdriver on any type of screw. This must be, this must be a man who puts his family first Christian, but not one easily offended, offended by those that cuss cattle, be able to find the only can of WD 40 on the ranch and take ranch owners, friends hunting. That means find the animal field, dress it, skin and quarter it, but no personal hunting allowed. Must be willing to work 80 to 100 hours a week. This includes the day shift, night shift, stick shift, cold shift, and hot shift, and have a four-year degree or kindergarten graduation certificate with experience. All of this can be yours for $1,200 a month. Must be a top hand that doesn't toot his own horn and be able to win the WRCA Ranch Saddlebron competition every year. Must have his own working dogs, but provide his own dog food has to train the ranch owners dogs and be willing to accept all blame for said owners, blue healer that runs cattle through the fence ranch owners, reserve the right to take credit for all your good ideas and blame you for all of their bad ones. Benefits include small, one bedroom house with one bathroom house has heating in the summer and cooling in the winter. The refrigerator works great. It freezes stuff on the top shelf and thaws stuff on the bottom shelf. The freezer works great if you de-ice it twice a day, and, ha- and it even has enough room for two packages of hamburger meat and one sickle. Truck will be provided and runs great once you jump it off in the morning and air up the tires. The 1952 20-foot bumper pull stock trailer fits 23 cows easily and pulls great as long as you're turning left. You can have two personal horses on the ranch, but we won't provide the feed, and you have to ride our Appaloosa paint mare rescue horses for cow work and provide your own halters and tack. One week paid vacation after five years of employment can't be taken during shipping season, doctoring season, calving season, breeding season, rainy season, dry season, planting season, or haying season. Other vacation times that are not available include spring, summer, winter, and fall. You get Christmas and Thanksgiving off after you finish your work. Can of popcorn given for Christmas every year after a ranch owner gets his from the bank expected delivery of February bonus will be given every year, unless the ranch has to fill a truck up with gas. Sick time is available as long as you have the receipt for your casket turned in two weeks in advance. Medical insurance consists of a first aid kit that has duct tape, electrical tape, Bondo, and a red rag. Dental plan provided consists of the toothbrush that was only used twice by the previous ranch hand. If you've been looking for an exciting career opportunity, Send your resume today. P.S. those applicants who have kids and a wife that will work full time for free will be given higher consideration. That is really what a cowboy's job is, is really like. Why on earth would anyone take a job like this? There's some people sitting here today that basically live that every single day. Why on earth would those that do this for a living Why would they love what they do? Most people would think that this type of life is crazy. Christianity is not that much different. I was reading in Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, and... This is the Sermon on the Plains. Now, most of you have heard the Sermon on, uh, heard of the Sermon on the Mount. Many of you have stood in that exact spot where Jesus talks to people. He says in, in Matthew, it says he goes up on the side of the hill and, and he and he teaches, you know, from the side of this hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Well, in Luke chapter six. There's another sermon, but this isn't the Sermon on the Mount. It's the Sermon on the Plains, but it has a lot of the same stuff. Luke records a lot of the same stuff from this sermon that Matthew recorded from the Sermon on the Mount. It, in Luke chapter six, starting in verse seventeen, Jesus is fixing to give a job description for cowboys. Okay, not not just cowboys, but but Christian cowboys. And in Luke chapter six, starting in verse seventeen, it says. When they came down from the mountains, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases, and those that are troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. Now, I want you. I I, I I think it's kind of hard for us to picture. Maybe those of you that have been to Israel, maybe a little easier. But I mean, there is a lot of people. You know, he, he had fed five thousand, and that was just counting the men. And then later on, he fed he feeds three thousand, nearly in the same way. So, and, and and they're just counting the men. So, I mean, there is a lot of people that have come. To hear Jesus preach. They're on this level field. Surrounded by a vast number of people. And that is why the next verse caught my attention. In verse 20 it says. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said. Now he's fixing to teach everyone. But he's not talking to everyone. Everyone. He's talking to his cowboys. He's talking to 12 men that said that they are all in. I, we've left everything behind. We are all in. They have signed up to work on his ranch, to help with this gathering, to spread the good news. And what he's fixing to say you know, it, it may be a benefit to others, but he's not talking to all the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and everybody that's living sinful lives and everything. He's talking to 12 men, and he starts teaching them. Jesus wasn't talking to all the people. He sa- he was only talking to those that were all in. What he says next is just like the help wanted ad for cowboys. Few people would sign up for such a life as Jesus is fixing to describe. That's why few people feel satisfied with their life as well. I've got this next part at the bottom, but I I think it prudent before you hear what Jesus has to say to keep one thing in mind. And I'll repeat it at the end. To understand what Jesus is telling his disciples is not a contrast between two sets of circumstances, but between ways people react to life in this world. It's a difference in this what gives your life meaning, okay? He's fixing to say four things to do uh, of what blessed people do, and then he's going to give four things that lost people do, that that follow the ways of the world. So there's a contrast. There's going to be basically two verses. In the Bible, he actually lists all four, four blessed statements and then four Basically, woe statements. Now, a, a lot of people, and, and even in your Bibles, if you've got it, it says the Beatitudes. And that's what we're going to be talking about. But in Luke, it's a much more condensed firm, uh, form of it. He only lists four Beatitudes versus the 10 or 11 that he gives in Matthew. But I call them cowboy attitudes. It's a difference in this. What gives your life Meaning? What gives your life meaning? Jesus' people are dissatisfied with what this world has to offer, but are happy anyway. Other people are satisfied with what this world has to offer, but they're miserable. Think about that, okay? Keep that in mind whenever I read these four statements, these four contrasting statements. It's not a, it's not a contrast between uh, circumstances, but the what brings your life meaning. And starting in verse 20 of Luke chapter six, Jesus says, God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. And then he contrasts that in verse 24, when he says, what sorrow awaits you who are rich for you have your only happiness now. Now, is he saying that, that the only way to get into the kingdom of heaven is if you're poor? Well, it's not necessarily what is in your bank account. It's what brings your life meaning. Because when you don't have anything, when you have nothing but God, you realize God is your everything. I mean, when, when you don't have anything, and, and, and I think that very few of us in America understand that. If you want to really know what that life is like, talk to George afterwards. Let him tell you about some of the families in El Rosario, about those that have to seriously depend upon God. You know, they have to rely, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. They, They don't just whip out their debit card and go to Walmart and buy a huge bag of, you know, Uh, a huge two basket full of groceries and put them in the cabinet that they probably don't have any food in the house. And if there is food in the house, it's probably, you know, corn flour or, or something to make some type of bread or tortillas. When you don't have anything but God, you realize that God is all you need. The rich usually don't depend on God for everything. They depend upon money. And and look, I I, I don't want this to be like I'm bashing us. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about bashing us. But you know what? Just the fact that you are sitting here today makes you part of the wealthiest 1% in this entire world. What gives your life meaning? Who do you depend upon? And that's what Jesus is trying to say. He said, God blesses you who are poor, that, that, that know that Jesus is your everything, that you depend upon Jesus for everything. But what sorrow awaits you who are rich for your only happiness is now. It's not having money that's the problem. It's the love of money, depending upon money, putting your faith in the stock market or putting your faith in, in, in your sales technique or, or putting your faith in your employment or, or you know wh- whatever the case may be. When Jesus talks about being poor, he's talking about a total 100% dependence upon him. And in verse 21, he says, he talks about the second one. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. And he contrasts that in verse 25 when he said, What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you. Most of us eat our fill every single day. While we may sometimes be thankful for the food, none of us have probably cried over someone handing us a couple of hard biscuits because we haven't eaten in three days. Have you ever, and I'm not talking about it's your choice or or something like that. I mean, have you ever truly been 100% without food, nothing to eat? When you haven't eaten in three days, your priorities become vastly different really fast. And I think that it is no coincidence that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats of me shall never be hungry. Think about that. God blesses you who are hungry now for you will be satisfied. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now for a time of awful hunger will await you. If I'm not that hungry for Jesus, then I'm missing out on the most important thing in life. See, that's why, that's why the Bible is hard for us to understand sometimes because most of us have never been without food. Honestly, I, I, I've only been without food once in my entire life and I was working for the prison system and we, uh, we got paid once a month and I had never had a job that you got paid on the first and then like any 20-year-old, Whenever you get paid on the first, you're out by the third because, you know, you just got a $1,500 check, Woo-hoo! you know, and by the 30th of the month, I had depleted everything, and I called my dad. I lived on the ranch uh, about, you know, half a mile from the big ranch house, lived in a little camper trailer, and I called him. I said, hey, man, you got any ranch-style beans? He said, yeah, I got some. He said, you making burritos? I said, yes, sir. I said, well, I'll come over and get them. He said, I was fixing to go check some stuff. I'll bring them by. I said, no, I'll come get them. He said, no, I'll bring them by. All right. So I'm sitting in my little camper reading. He comes walking in, and he's got a can of ranch-style beans, and he sets them on the counter. And he said, well, what'd you do today? And I, I just worked, you know, and stuff like that. And he was sitting there, and he opens up the little refrigerator. You know, those that are in a little camper. He opens it up, and there's nothing in there. He looks over at me and I'm just trying to, you know, be small and not say anything. And he shuts it and he goes one foot to the right and he opens up the cabinet and there's not a single thing in there. And he turned to me and he said, is this all you were going to eat? I said, yes, sir. He said, you don't have any food whatsoever. I said, no, sir. He said, don't you ever, ever, ever think that you can't come to me for food, man. I, I nearly started crying. He said, no son of mine will ever go hungry as long as I have breath. He said, come over. And I said, no, sir. I said, I got myself in this jam. I said, I, I appreciate it. And, and, I, and I refused all help but I, except for the ranch style beans. And I opened up that can of ranch style beans and ate it with a spoon. Now, some of you might have been in that type of predicament at one point in your life. But only one time in 23 years has that happened. But people in this world, they go through it all the time. They don't have anything. But like we said, man, God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. When you realize that that the only thing that you have is God, you realize that you have everything. God blesses you who are hungry now for that bread of life. Those that eat of it shall never be hungry again. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous for a time of awful hunger awaits you. There's a biblical concept called fasting, okay, fasting. And the Bible says that when you fast, you're to brush your teeth, comb your hair, dress up nice. Don't let anybody know you're fasting because in biblical times, whenever the Pharisees would fast to get closer to God, you know, they would,
1: oh, I'm so hungry.
0: You know, they'd let everybody know that they were fasting. Well, I've done it once in my life. Now I didn't do the total fast where you go without, you know, any food, but I, I, there's another type of fast where you don't eat during daylight hours. And I did it for uh, uh, three or five days, I don't remember. And it's a lot harder than you think. You get up, which I'm always up before the sun comes up, and I'd eat me a good breakfast, and then I wouldn't eat again until the sun went down. Do that for five days. And I guarantee you, every time your old belly starts to rumble, think about Jesus saying that I'm the bread of life. It'll bring you closer to God. And if you're looking for for a, a situation that says, man, I, I'm ready to grow, I, I, I want to experience God in my life, man, there's no more concrete way to do it, than, than, than try fasting for about three days. Just, and I'm not talking about a total fast of going without food. I'm just talk, And you can drink water and everything. You'll drink a lot of water, I'm, I, I assure you. One, go one week without eating during daylight hours and see how much closer you grow towards God. And it will change your understanding of what Jesus meant when he said, I am the bread of life. The third thing that Jesus teaches his disciples, his cowboys, in this is he said, God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. Now, is is Jesus telling his disciples, hey man, wipe that smile off your face. You know, like your dad used to tell you whenever, you know, your mom would be getting on to you and you'd be trying not to giggle. I remember the first time I laughed when my mom beat my butt. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't know she could hit that hard. It kind of up the ante. God blesses you who weep now. He's not saying why you know, walk around all mopey and don't do nothing but ball and squall. That's not what he's saying, okay? This is what he means when he says, God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh, and what sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. Does the effect of sin, that sin plays out in your life and the world around you, does that make you cry? Or is that sinful life what brings a smile to your face? Think about that. You know, I, and, and I'm I'm really guilty of this, okay? But, uh, you know, a lot of people don't change because they say, well, I, I know, you know, I, I, I'm a sinner and I'll never be perfect. And And I know that Jesus died for my forgiveness and I know that he'll forgive me. Man, that should make you cry that our actions nailed Jesus to that cross. What effect does sin play in your life? Does, does, that, does that break your heart, the way this world operates? Or d- does sin make you cry and put that lump in your throat? Or does sin put that smile on your face like, oh, it's party time now. We're going to do this and this and this and this, and it's everything against what God said. That's what Jesus Jesus means when he said, God blesses you who weep now for in due time you will laugh. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. Does the way the world operate bring you joy and success? Or does it make you mourn? Does it break your heart the way this world operates? Ty talked about a handshake. Doesn't it break your heart that we can't just be Men of our word and women of our word, why do we need paper to hold us accountable? Why can't, our, why can't we just go up and shake somebody's hand and if we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it? Is your separation from the physical presence of God sadden you? One day when we are able to wrap our arms around Jesus, all of this world's sadness and grief will be washed away. You know, I, I, there, there's, a, there's a painting that I recently discovered, and I don 't know who painted it or anything, and I wish I had a picture of it to show you, but it shows Jesus standing there and its it 's like from the side, and this lady, I mean just with pure ecstasy it 's like she 's jumping. Into Jesus' arms. And I mean, you can just see like all of the pain has been washed away. Just with that look on her face, you can tell that it's finally everything has come to completion of what pure joy will feel like one day. Is your separation from the physical presence of God sadden you? One day when we are able to wrap our arms around Jesus, all of this world's sadness and grief will be washed away. For those of us that follow Christ, that are saddened by the way that this world operates with its lies and its greed and and all of that stuff that should break our hearts. But you know what? The Other people, man, if you're not all in with Jesus, man, you kind of like the way this world operates. You won't like the next one. Do you long for the presence of God in your life? I mean, the physical presence of God, not just coming to a church service. Or Are you hanging on to this life like it's the only one that you have? Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have only your happiness. Now, what do you depend upon? God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. And finally, the last one. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the son of man. Man, think about that. That's like the cowboy help wanted ad, right? Man, if Jesus is trying to talk people into following him, this probably isn't a real good ad. Okay? He's like, man, you're blessed. What blessings await you when people hate you? Who wants to sign up for that? exclude you, who wants to sign up for that? Mock you, who wants to sign up for that? And curse you as evil because you follow the son of man. Who wants to follow that? But he says, what sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds for their ancestors also praised the false prophets. You know, when I first became a preacher, I didn't really understand what that meant friendly guy. And although we are reconciled now, you know, I had a best friend that lived a mile down. There was 10 people and four of them lived in my household. There was 10 people within 100 square miles of us at the ranch. And the other four lived one mile down and they were my best friends. His wife was my wife's maid of honor. He was my best man at my wedding. And when I became a preacher they had a a party every single year called a Jimmy Buffett party. Everybody dressed in Hawaiian shirts and and barbecued and we'd have a roping and everything. And I'm sitting there at the house one day and I see one of my friends drive by past my house going to my neighbor's. I'm like, huh, oh, so-and-so's going out to his place. And then I saw another one of my friends go by and another one of my friends go by and I happened to walk outside to feed and I heard Jimmy Buffett playing, cars everywhere. And I didn't know there was a Jimmy Buffett party. It was one of the saddest days of my life because I finally understood what Jesus meant when he says, what blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the son of man. And if you are an authentic follower of Christ, that's what's gonna happen. And you know what? I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade it for all of the money in the world. People can mock me and they do. People can exclude me and they do. People will hate, people hate me. I mean like with a passion and they do. I've even been cursed and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't trade it for this world because I know what's waiting on me is not in this world. It's in the next one. And I have been blessed beyond measure because of that promise, what blessings await when people hate you, exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the son of man. Not that you just believe that there was a Jesus that died on the cross. I'm talking about, are you one of the 12 that Jesus is talking about? Are you all in or, or, or do, you just, do you just have a toe in the water? Are you all in? The cowboy way of living, following Jesus, isn't easy. Your beliefs will be mocked. Your God will be blamed. How could a loving God do this? Standing up to the world is the least of what we can do for the man that laid down his life for us. Standing up to the world is the least we could do for a man that laid his life down for us. But many don't care about anything other than selfies, likes, shares, awards, recognition, fame, fortune, success. To understand what Jesus is telling his disciples is not a contrast between two sets of circumstances, but between ways people react to life in this world. It's a difference in this. What gives your life meaning? Jesus's people are dissatisfied with what this world has to offer, but are happy anyway. That's why I wrote the Cowboy Help Wanted. I mean, think about that, man. You, you work in every condition out there, you ride in every condition, you get, you get bucked off, you get thumped, you get mucked out. I mean, you, you got blisters, there's not a part on your body that doesn't hurt, and cowboys. True cowboys, real-life cowboys, some of them sitting right here today, are some of the most joyful people I've ever met. They live the hardest, hardest lives that are out there. But they're the ones that are happy. Jesus' people are dissatisfied with what this world has to offer, but they're happy. Other people are satisfied with what this world has to offer, but they're miserable. You chase what this world has to offer, and I assure you, it will bring temporary joy, but lasting misery. You trade all of that away and you say, Jesus, I want to be like one of those 12. I want to be all in. I want to do what you say. I want not just to believe in you, but I want to follow you and I want to ride for you. And he's like, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be long hours and 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 people are going to mock you and make fun of you and exclude you. And, and believe it or not, You're going to be happy. You're going to be happy giving up all of those things that you thought would make you happy. Those things that you think will make you happy in this world will bring you misery. But you follow me and you'll live forever. No more pain, no more suffering, and you'll even be happy in this life. And And I promise you, man, if you decide to do this, people won't understand. People will not understand. They'll see the change in you. But they won't understand, and you're not going to be able to talk them into it. And I'm not trying to talk you into anything now. I'm just relaying promises that Jesus made his disciples that apply to us also. This is a choice between a hard road that leads to happiness or an easy road that leads to misery. And you'll make that choice one way or another. You'll take the hard road that leads to happiness or joy, really. Happy is more of an emotion. Those things are fleeting. You you can either take the hard road that leads to everlasting, eternal joy. Or you can take the easy road that's not going to do you anything but lead you to misery. Choose wisely. Next week, we will take the position that God is offering us. If you come back next week, and, and, and I want you to pray about this, maybe you might even do some fasting this week to grow closer to God. But if you show up next week and you're still all in, or maybe you're deciding right now, I don't know if I want all in. I don't don't know if I believe that. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's a promise of God. But next week, we will take the position that God has offered us on his ranch and see our job description and duties. Next week, we'll dive deeper into what Jesus has to say to his disciples for part two of Cowboy Attitudes. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for guiding us. We thank you for sending your Son to teach us. Guide us and be that narrow gate that opens to us and to you. God, we talk about the many, about many of the joys you offer us, but you are the one we love the most. Help us to see you, trust you, and follow you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let us finally realize today how much we need Jesus. And that means following him, actively following him, not just thinking about him every now and then. And it's in his name we pray, amen.